if you're innovating, creating, or making a difference, this show is for you. Welcome to Over Coffee. I'm Dot Cannon. Here on Over Coffee, we talk with artists and innovators about the process of changing the world in terms of what they do. We knew that there were going to be teams and individuals who weren't going to be able to be there in person. So we did two things. We created a telepresence competition category and we created the Mate ROV competition VR World. Every year, the Mate ROV competition challenges students to do creative problem solving. Participant teams build their own underwater robots, then operate them remotely to carry out a series of tasks. And with the pandemic, creative problem solving was front and center for Mate ROV competition founder and executive director Jill Zandi and her team as they tackled the issue of safely hosting their 2021 global competition. The results included some brand new innovations and opportunities. Jill, who is the Associate Director of the Marine Advanced Technology Center, also serves as President of Mate Inspiration for Innovation. This is a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to providing students with hands-on educational experiences inspired by the ocean. While the pandemic forced Jill and her team to cancel the 2020 competition, the 2021 edition went off as scheduled, was a huge success, and included a virtual component that's going to carry forward into the future. Jill, you had to just about reimagine the 2021 Mate ROV competition due to the pandemic. Would you tell me that story, please? I am happy to. And as you can appreciate, we were not alone in having to rethink how we do things and really to, as you say, completely reimagine our 2021 competition season. So for starters, we were committed to offering an in-person event to the best of our ability and of course keeping safety, the health and safety of our participants in mind. But we also realized that even if we felt and did eventually successfully accomplish an in-person competition event, we knew that there were going to be teams and individuals who weren't going to be able to be there in person or most obviously COVID related reasons, but also inevitably there are teams that can't come because they run into travel issues. They're not able to get visas. They have lack of funding. So to help address that or to make sure that those folks felt engaged, we did two things. The first thing we did was we created a telepresence competition category. Now, this was not true telepresence in the sense that most folks know it. It was telepresence in the sense where student teams submitted all of their required components submitted them electronically to us, and they were judged either asynchronously or synchronously. And I'll give you an example. So with our technical reports, we require teams to put together technical reports. COVID didn't really, fortunately, it didn't really impact the way that we treated those. We collected those electronically. Those were evaluated by our team of judges. That didn't change. What did change for the telepresence teams, the teams competing in the telepresence category, was they submitted their poster displays, their marketing displays, electronically as PDF files. So they, instead of printing it out brick and mortar and putting up their poster display on a display board at an in-person event, they submitted their files as PDFs. Those were collected, organized, and distributed out to a group of fantastic judges who reviewed them. What was most challenging for us to sort out was how the teams were going to showcase to us their ROVs. How are they going to demonstrate their ROVs in this virtual world? So what we did is we basically required them to take a video of their ROV performing the mission tasks. And fortunately, For the majority of the teams competing in the telepresence category, the teams themselves were able to get together, doing their best to socially distance, wearing masks, but they were able to get together and put their vehicle in a swimming pool or a test tank 
and essentially film their ROV going through the paces and accomplishing the mission tasks. So they recorded that. They also recorded what we call a safety compliance video, which was essentially them going through our safety checklist and showing on their video how their ROV was compliant with our safety rules. And they submitted that again as videos. And again, we had a fantastic team of judges who reviewed those videos, used our rubrics and scored the teams on their performance. The engineering presentations, which are another component, another required component, and one of my favorites, those were actually handled, no surprise, via Zoom. So essentially, there was a panel of judges, if you will, in the Zoom rooms, right, in their Zoom boxes. The team members would join and they would deliver their presentation to these judges in real time, and the judges would evaluate and go through and score them. So that that was our first foray into the whole telepresence. Again, not true telepresence as it is defined, but we didn't want to use the word remote because we felt like everyone was tired of the word remote and tired of doing things remotely. So nothing else, telepresence gave us another way to present that. So again, we had the in-person events, which took place at the beginning of August at East Tennessee State University in Johnson City, Tennessee. We had the telepresence category with teams carrying out their engineering presentations. It was a challenge to schedule those dot because we have teams from all over the world, teams in many different time zones, judges in many different time zones, but we made it work. And then finally, which was really exciting, we created the Mate ROV competition VR World. So it was, I will tell you, Dot, the only way that we were able to accomplish that was through our partners at the National Center for Autonomous Technologies. So the National Center for Autonomous Technologies, it's actually headquartered at Northland Community and Technical College in Thief River Falls, Minnesota. The National Center for Autonomous Technologies, I'll call it by its acronym NCAT, It's funded by the National Science Foundation and, as the name implies, focuses on autonomous technologies and preparing the autonomous technology workforce. And so full disclosure, MATE is part of NCAT. We are the seaside, if you will, of NCAT. NCAT represents land, air, and sea, autonomous technologies in land, air, and sea. And no surprise, MATE represents the sea aspect of that. So I went to my colleagues we just to back up a little bit in October of 2020, NCAT had basically put together a professional development workshop for community college faculty in a VR space, in alt space. There are a number of different virtual reality platforms out there, but NCAT uses alt space. So they basically created a replica of their campus in alt space and invited faculty, community college faculty to create avatars and to come into the world, come into alt space and participate in this professional development workshop that was around sensor technologies. Now, I I was involved with that peripherally, but was really interesting to me, Dot, I will tell you, I was a reluctant messiah. I was not so embracing the virtual reality idea But after participating and seeing how it could engage people and bring people together in this virtual world, I started to warm up to the idea. Now, when people think of virtual reality, I think the majority of folks picture a headset, right? A headset and delivering the experience in this 3D headset. That is certainly one way to enter these virtual worlds. But you can also essentially visit in the 2D client. So what I prefer, the headset oftentimes will give me a headache or I find it a little disorienting, but with the Altspace app, you can download the program and essentially enter the space. And in your 2D client, just like you and I are communicating here with our computer screens and maneuvering around with our keyboards, you can do the same thing in the 2D client in Altspace. So It was that experience and what NCAT had done with this professional development workshop 
and a conversation with one of our competition sponsors, the Schmidt Ocean Institute, which is fantastic. Schmidt Ocean Institute was founded by Google founders, Eric and Wendy Schmidt. They have a real passion for the ocean. So I was talking to some of my colleagues at the Schmidt Ocean Institute and sharing with them how we were just trying to find a way to engage those teams who were going to be able to be there in person and, you know, looking at all these virtual conference platforms and their event planner said, Jill, you should really, your audience, they do not, I don't think they're going to embrace these traditional virtual conference platforms. They're younger people. They're going to want to be more engaged. And she pointed me to Verbella, which is another virtual reality platform. And she said, look at this, look at this world. You can create an avatar. You can enter the space. You can navigate your avatar to, you know, climb stairs, to do skateboarding, to play basketball, to listen to presentations. You should really look into that. And when she showed me that, I thought it all came together for me, Dot. I thought, I know what NCAT can do. I know we, my colleagues in NCAT, there's expertise there to create this virtual world. There's this encouragement from one of our sponsors, and she's spot on. Our students, our community wants to be more engaged. And so there you have it. That was the birth of this idea to create this Mate ROB competition virtual world. And so that was just in December of 2020, just had this vision and worked really rapidly and diligently to create this space. And I encourage you and your listeners to visit it. I can share links at some point. I know I've shared some links with you, but it's basically, it's a collection of spaces. There's a welcome center where you can enter. We have a virtual aquarium. We have virtual sponsor exhibits in this welcome center with photos and videos from our many sponsors. And we have onboarding materials to get you more familiar with navigating in this virtual world. And then we have a pool. Of course, we have to have a pool. We have a virtual pool. The pool, when you enter the pool area, you're actually on the top of the 30 meter high dive. So you can literally, your avatar can take a jump, a leap off and dive into the pool. And then once you come up out of the pool, there are bleachers and there are screens above the pool. And what we did, and this is just, it still blows my mind. During the in-person world championship event, which we held again at East Tennessee State University, we held it at the beginning of August. Dot, we've always live streamed that event. We have always put out live streaming of the event on our Twitch channel. So that still happened. But what we also did is we broadcast the live stream on video screens in the VR world. So here, this is still blows my mind, Dot, here I am on the pool deck, live and in person at East Tennessee State University, watching ROVs in the water, sitting next to my colleague, Rick Rupan, who is running commentary and describing what's being seen on the live stream. And then in addition to being there live in person on the pool deck, our avatars are in alt space are in the VR world. So there's my avatar, there's Rick's avatar, and we are literally navigating our avatars around the space, talking to each other, talking to other avatars within the space, and watching us broadcast live on the screen above our heads. So here we are, avatars in the space, and here we are looking at the screen above our heads, and there is our real selves on the pool deck. Very, very freaky. And I know younger people are probably like, oh, that's no big deal. But for me, it was very different. And I will tell you, Don, to be in that space and to be able to have that interaction with other avatars, other avatars who represent real people. And that was really a motivation. Again, as I explained, we knew people weren't going to be able to be there in person. Not everybody was going to be able to be there in person. And so bringing them, creating this virtual world that enabled them to come in and have the conversations, have that social interaction, be able to build their peer and professional network, and just to come together, together in a space to have the shared experience. 
I mean, it was very powerful. And I can tell you when I was my avatar in the virtual reality space, I had so many wonderful conversations with competition participants, with students who were also in the space as avatars that I would have never had. I mean, I can tell you, I met up with team members from Macau Anglican College, and I met up with team members from ROV teams in Boulder, Colorado. And we, there we are with our avatars, having these conversations and just sharing information, sharing stories, catching up. It was really, it was more powerful than I could have imagined. I mean, that nothing beats being there in person and having that real connection. But if you can't, this was definitely a way to accomplish those conversations, that social interaction. And those are the things that we know our community really values and appreciates about the MAKE competition. It's that coming together as a community, having those shared experiences, having those conversations, having those social interactions and sharing of ideas that's really powerful. And I'm pleased to say that we were able to accomplish that in this virtual world. What is so mind-blowing to me is what you've just said, how much this is opening up the world even as it closes down. Let's imagine right now, because I assume you'll be doing this again, that we have a team. We're remote, we're in Boulder, Colorado, and they're going to participate in virtual reality. What's involved and what do they do? Those are great questions. So it's interesting because that was, this was our first foray, right, into the VR space. And so we built it and it was, again, really about that social interaction. Now, we did survey the individuals, anybody who went into the space as an avatar, and we said, what did you think about it? Do you want us to continue it? How can we improve it? How can we make the experience better? And including those young students from the team in Boulder, Colorado, the response was overwhelmingly, yes, please continue to do it. We enjoyed it. Please continue to make this offering in the future. And we had a number of respondents ask us to think of ways to make it more interactive. So to your point, how can we create an ROV in alt space that avatars can pilot in that swimming pool? I mean, right now, it's about us jumping into the pool as our avatars and swimming around the pool, if you will, and then coming out of the pool. How can we set up a station on the side of the pool where avatars, you can pick up and launch a virtual ROV into the swimming pool, and then you can control it and fly it through the mission tasks in the virtual swimming pool. So that is something that we did think about doing this past year, but we had to really have a reality check, a virtual reality check and think about what could we accomplish? Because not really, we just started working on this in December and we had to have it up and running and full on ready to go by June. And so to have all that happen, I was so grateful to my partners at NCAT, but now it's the opportunity to figure out how we can make it better, how we can enhance it. And so if you're a team who isn't able to travel, isn't able to be there in person, and you want to participate remotely, we're going to continue that telepresence category. We're going to continue to offer you the opportunity to submit your videos of your ROV going through the mission tasks, to submit your poster display as a PDF, to submit your technical reports, and to do engineering presentations via Zoom. That's our preferred video conferencing platform. You can still do all that, but now moving forward, we and my partners at NCAD and I are going to continue to brainstorm what more can we do with that VR world? Can we set up all of the tasks that we're working on for next year? Can we set them up on the bottom of the virtual reality pool? And as I described, set up a station with an ROV on the side of the pool where avatars, you know, students coming in as avatars can launch those vehicles in the pool and pilot them virtually through their virtual mission tasks. That's what we're going to work on for next competition season, or I should say this competition season, because we're starting to ramp up and make plans for the tasks and, and what the students will be challenged with for this coming year. What are the tasks, if we can talk about them yet, that the students will have to do? Yeah, so 
in 2020, and of course we know the 2020 competition season was canceled. Many of us who are competition practitioners said the same thing. So we pushed our 2020 tasks into 2021 and we wrapped them under this theme, which will continue into 2022. And it's all about ESG, environmental social governance. ESG, it's a new acronym for me. It's a new concept, but it's actually been around since the term was first coined in 2005. It was actually the United Nations got a group of individuals together, a number of different countries to really think about the world and how we are going to continue to live and survive on this planet. And that is when Out of that came this term environmental social governance. And it's really about corporations and businesses starting to think and apply factors, not just financial factors, but these factors of environmental social governance into their practices. So how can they be better at and think about and address climate issues in their business practices? How can they, in terms of the social good, are they, how are they giving back to the communities in which they have facilities or they do their business operations? In terms of governance, how do they create a working environment, a workspace that is welcoming and encourages creativity, but also really speaks to their employees and their needs in terms of time off, in terms of health benefits? So really how to think in the bigger picture and how to think more about how can we do good for the planet, do good for our employees, do good for the global community, and not just about making money, right? And so it's this whole, it's this buzz and companies are really starting from my perspective, my view, which is definitely not in the big corporate world. But what I can see is companies are really starting to embrace this idea that in order to stay in business, in order to continue to make money and exist, they have to think about these things. They have to think about how their practices impact the climate. They have to think about how their practices impact their local community. They have to think about, are we creating an environment where we can attract the best and the brightest employees? And so we started that theme in 2021. And as I said, we're continuing to embrace it into 2022. And we also, another activity that is informing what we're going to be doing in 2022 is the fact that it's the UN Decade of the Oceans. It just kicked off in February of 2021, launching the United Nations Decade of the Ocean. There are activities being planned. There's a lot of attention. There's a lot of conversations around our ocean and a healthy ocean is a healthy planet. And so the UN Decade of the Ocean has 17 sustainable development goals. I don't pretend to have memorized them all, but some of them involve climate action, life underwater, you know, food, good food sources, and really responsible energy production and consumption. And so those are at least a few of the sustainable development goals that we are wrapping in and aligning our mission tasks around for 2022. So the task areas that we are going to focus on, one of them is marine renewable energy and the role that ROVs, underwater robots, play in maintaining and keeping operations of offshore wind farms going and functioning. So again, marine renewable energy with a focus on offshore wind farms. We have a task area that's going to focus on offshore aquaculture and essentially fish farming, fish pens, and the role that ROVs play in inspecting and maintaining the integrity of the nets of those pens, the role they play in maintaining a healthy environment for not only the fish, but for the larger ocean community that's around these pens, how they assist in basically documenting the health and the growth of these fish. And for example, is it time to harvest them? How do you know? Do they have to get to a certain size and weight? And what roles the ROVs can play in determining that size and weight? And along with that, we're also focusing on 
blue carbon. So blue carbon, things like seagrasses, seagrasses, this is news to me, Dot, and I'm an ocean person, a water person, but seagrasses are amazingly effective at removing carbon dioxide from the oceans, from the atmosphere by translation and the path of flow and carbon dioxide being absorbed by the ocean and then seagrasses absorbing them out of our ocean waters. And so how can we essentially plant more seagrass, right? So our task is really around seagrass aquaculture, right? Planting fields of seagrass beds and making sure that they're healthy and they continue to serve a role in dealing with climate change and CO2 emissions. And the final task area, so we'll do three. We've done three for a number of years. The final task area, it's quite exciting, Dot. It has to do, this is public knowledge now, so I can share. There is an expedition that is mounting and being planned to travel to Antarctica, to the Waddell Sea, and search for Edward Shackleton's The Endurance Shipwreck. Isn't that exciting? So, the, you know, Shackleton and his desire to explore the South Pole and set up a base camp there. And of course, the story, I encourage people, I need to pull out my endurance book that I have on my shelf and read years back. But as the story goes, the ship got caught in the ice and eventually sunk. And it is still resting on the bottom of the Waddell Sea. Its location, we think we have a good sense of where it went down, but no one's ever been there and no one's ever found it and no one's ever documented it. But there is an expedition that's mounting, provided that COVID cooperates and the sea ice cooperates. That expedition will leave in January of 2022 and will continue for a few months The idea is to bring a ship into the Waddell Sea, get as close as they can to where they believe the shipwreck to be, and then basically set up base camp on the sea ice, drill a hole in the ice, and launch an ROV through the ice to basically search for the wreckage. And then once they find the wreckage, because they hopefully they will, basically document the shipwreck. And so that is what our scenario is going to be. Our third and final scenario is going to be wrapped around that expedition. And along with that, because of polar climates and really the climate change is so evident in polar climates with you know loss of ice sheets and icebergs pounding, we really have an opportunity to bring the theme of climate change and climate action into that mission task area. So in addition to searching for the endurance, we'll have some science-related tasks and some instrumentation tasks to help collect data to monitor ocean health and can really inform what's going on in terms of climate change in polar regions. So it's really exciting. We were really pleased that some other educational partners that are involved with the Endurance Expedition reached out to us and wanted us to be part of the education and outreach of this expedition and focusing a task on the search for the Endurance. So yeah, Google Endurance 2022, because that's the name of the expedition. And it, again, Conditions willing that will happen in January and folks will be able to follow along through a lot of the outreach activities. And certainly I find it it's our competition is all about challenging students to tackle real world problems. And certainly how fantastic this is a real world problem and a real world expedition that is as the professionals and the expedition in Antarctica attempting to find this, our students will be designing and building ROVs and practicing to accomplish the same thing, to find and document the endurance. So, yeah. I thought that the seagrass and the blue carbon was exciting until you got to the endurance mission. Wow. Where do educators find the links for getting their classes involved in this? And where do they find the links to look at what you've done so far in the virtual world? Oh, that's a great question. So our website is mate rovcompetition.org. That's all one word, all lowercase, M-A-T-E-R-O-V competition.org. And once they get on that landing page, we don't have anything. We are literally, Doc, three of my calls today have all been around talking with working professionals and industry 
folks and engineers who are working in offshore wind farms and are working with the endurance expedition and are working with seagrass and offshore aquaculture. My calls today have been all about picking their brain and getting informed around that because again, we try to make our tasks as real world as possible. So we're working hard. The competition mission briefing and all of the great things that I just talked about are not currently on our website, but we are hopeful that all the information, all the things that we learned today, we can get those on paper and that will be posted within the next couple of weeks. So I'm looking at my calendar here and I'm hoping by October 22nd on our website, you will see the big launch, the big reveal of our task areas for 2022. But again, right now, if you go to our website, you can certainly see what we've done in the past. You can learn more about ESG, this concept that we're really embracing as our corporations around the world. And on the if you scroll down to the bottom of our homepage, there will be a link to the Mate VR World onboarding page. And so once you get to the onboarding page, there's a number of resources. If you have a headset to help you get set up on the headset, to help you download Altspace. If you don't have a headset, there's links that take you directly into the world. And the other thing, oh God, I forgot to mention, we had the Welcome Center the virtual welcome center. We had the virtual pool. We also had a virtual auditorium and we had virtual team workstations. So the teams like those, those endearing young team members from Boulder, Colorado, they created their own virtual workstation. Basically, it was basically, they had an exhibit, the virtual exhibit booth and they built it and we linked to it. So you can enter the team workstation area in Altspace and travel around and see all the different booths for all of the teams, both the teams that participated in person and the teams that participated via telepresence. They all submitted logos. They put photos in there. They've got their team taglines. So you can really learn more about our global community of teams by entering the VR workstation area, which was, it was really fun. It was fun to see what the teams came up with and the different how they designed their virtual booth. What's one of the most fun things they came up with? Oh my gosh. Let's, let's see. Oh, some of them basically created a 3D model of their ROV. So as you approach their virtual booth on a stand in front of their booth is this 3D model of their actual physical, but translated into 3D virtual ROV. And so you can pick it up, you can look at it, you can twist it around, you can turn it upside down. It's really cool. So you can interact with it. You can interact with this 3D file of their ROV. So that was pretty darn cool. And some of the taglines, I can't even remember, just so fun and so humorous. They really embrace that company approach that the Mate competition has. And certainly this was a new way for them to display it. So it's interesting, Dot, because like I said, that virtual world, you know, we just came up with the idea in December and started carrying it out, started creating it, and then putting it out there to our competition teams and saying, okay, set up your own virtual booth space. I was a little hesitant. I mean, we provided them with great resources and information how to do that, but I was a little skeptical about how well that would be received and how many of the teams, we did award points if they did it, but they could choose not to, and they wouldn't get the points if it was just too much, but all of the teams created something. And a number of them really built their own virtual worlds and just took it to a whole other level. So I was really pleased to see how they embraced that, the new, basically a new skill set that we offered up. And in a way, it was kind of last minute, but they really embraced it. Jill also acknowledged the partnership that had enabled the Mate ROV competition to explore some of the new directions they took in 2021. I'd just like to say is, you know, this competition was created as a partnership with the Marine Technology Society. It's an umbrella society for ocean professionals, from scientists to engineers to policymakers to government officials to educators. And I really have to thank the Marine Technology Society for their continued support and their partnership in this because they have done so much to help us keep this program going and grow it. And just as NOAA's National Marine Sanctuaries 
coordinate a number of our regional programs. So do sections of the Marine Technology Society. The Pacific Northwest, their whole entire MTS section, Marine Technology Society section, carries out our program up there. So I'm really grateful to the Professional Society. And I encourage your listeners, especially any students out there who may be thinking about a marine career, the Marine Technology Society is a great resource and they have scholarships. They have scholarships are really pro students and developing the next generation. So there's a ton of scholarship opportunities and and ways for students to build their professional network. So I'm just going to put in a plug for the Marine Technology Society or MTS in acronym speak. And if you'd like more information on these scholarships, Jill also provided the link. It is mtsocietty.org. So there's only one S in there. Instead of MTS Society, there's only one S. So again, mtsocietty.org. That's mtsociety.org. As Jill said, remember, there's just one S in the link, mtsocietty.org. Let's talk about resources for just a minute. We've mentioned Verbella and we've mentioned Altspace, but what if an instructor is listening and, well, what do I give my students to start creating something virtually? Or what if a student's listening and wants to know more? Oh my gosh, great question. So again, I'm going to give a nod to my partners at NCAT, the National Center for Autonomous Technologies. And so the link that I said was on the bottom of our homepage actually takes you to the NCAT website. And from there, again, you can launch into the Mate virtual world, but you can find a ton of other resources and instructions and PowerPoints and videos to help students start to learn how to get embraced and create their own virtual worlds. I really want to say individuals, Mark Gill, David Anderson, Zach Blado, those three, I mean, New to me, Dot, I told you I was the reluctant messiah in embracing this virtual world, but those three individuals and the students that are involved in Mark Gill's lab, they get the credit for setting this up and also for developing the resources to help our teams be able to do that. And those resources will only continue. So I have to say, and I'll tell you, NCAT's website is N-C-A-T-E-C h.org but again you can get to that from our site but they've got a lot of great resources and with more to come you know between the workshop they did and the professional development workshop they did in october of 2020 to what we developed for the mate rov competition vr world there are plans for more that's the only that's the tip of the iceberg right there's so much more to come and especially when it comes to resources and instructions and additional workshops to help teachers and students learn these new skills now in addition to your professional capacity. I know that you are a mom. I believe your daughter is now 13. What skills have you seen her gain, especially with the way that the world changed in the past year and a half? They're really going to stand her in good stead through the Mate ROV competition. You know, it's really interesting, Doubt, because yes, my daughter, thank you for remembering. She's the love of my life. 13, going to be 14 soon. I can't forget that. Her birthday's coming up in November. Happy um, birthday. It, yeah, thank you. Thank you. It's really interesting because what I do, right, with the Mate ROV competition and being a person of a marine science, marine research background, and my husband, her father, does atmospheric research. And he does avionics. He's a pilot, basically, you know, flying airplanes, turning them into flying laboratories for atmospheric research. Our daughter is not interested in either of those fields. She is interested in theater and acting and artistic. I will tell you, I will tell you one skill that she has learned through us in a way. She's really into making jewelry. And so, you know, that involves using hand tools and all of the different, many of the tools that we use, right, in our ROV design and building. But I will tell you, I think what she's learned from, she certainly participated in the competition as a spectator. And sometimes I drag her, I have to, now that she's a teenager, Dot, when she was younger, you know, I just pushed her around in the stroller. She had no choice but to come. But now I sometimes drag her. But I think that she's really learned leadership skills. She's really learned communication skills. She's learned that we really are one global community, one global planet, and to really embrace differences, different cultures, different points of view, and to really be open to all of those things. And I think she has also taken that, you know, there, we always preach there is no I in team. 
And really our competition teams come together where the whole is greater than the sum of the parts. And I think that she has come to realize through osmosis, right, through participating and and through her own activities, especially theater, right? If you're going to put on a good performance, if you're going to put on a successful performance, it's really going to take everybody working together, collaborating, being respectful, and having the whole be greater than the sum of the parts. So I think those are some of the skill sets that she's taken away. And certainly, I I like to think, again, to just with the leadership, you know, watching her mom lead this global community and work with such a fantastic team of individuals to carry out a successful underwater robotics competition program for a global audience. I, I'd like to think that she's taken notes and is learning a bit about leadership in a global world, in our global world, our global community. How exciting is that, too, that you get to watch her do that? Some pretty exciting things are happening for you. Are they not with the Mate ROV competition, new chapters? Oh, my gosh. Yes, that's right. I think we had conversations in trying to set up this interview. So we have grown now to 42 regional programs that take place across the country and around the world. And the most recent, the 42nd, we are starting a regional competition program in Saudi Arabia. King Abdullah University of Science and Technology that's based in Jeddah, they approached us and they have seen through other partners that we have in Egypt and the UAE and in Tunisia, they have seen the impact that the competition program has had on students and student learning and just student success. And so they actually approached us and said, we would love to work with you. Can you help us start a regional program here at the university? really focused on, you know, that's where they're kind of embracing the ESG because they're really, they wanted to give back to their local community. I mean, they're a university post-secondary and certainly their students are going to participate, but they really wanted to make this a program for their local community to give back to the local community. So we're actually going to be doing some workshops. Colleagues of mine who are in Europe are going to be supporting these workshops, but we'll be doing those, gosh, at the end of November, beginning of December and working towards a regional program their pilot regional in 2022, and then a full-on mate ROV competition regional in 2023. And so that is really exciting. We're building our program in American Samoa, the National Marine Sanctuary of American Samoa. We have a great partnership with the NOAA's National Marine Sanctuary program. A number of our Regionals are carried out by National Marine Sanctuaries, Gray's Reef National Marine Sanctuary in Georgia is one example. And so the American Samoa, the National Marine Sanctuary of American Samoa, the educators there have embraced this program and are working towards a regional event there. So it is very exciting to see this interest. I would have never imagined that we would have such interest, especially globally. We are very much growing in the Middle East, North Africa, the MENA region. There's a lot of interest in Asia from Macau. We already have a regional in Hong Kong, China. There's a great amount of interest to set up programs in China, Singapore, Korea. I mean, it's just really amazing to see the interest and and to see this being adopted. It's a platform to help students develop the technical skills, but also the skills that I talked about seeing in my own daughter, right? The leadership, the teamwork, the good communications, the coming together, the, you know, in the case of our competition teams, especially the problem solving and the critical thinking, really those employability skills, soft skills, 21st century workplace skills. There's different labels for those. But really, those are, I think, the top skills that I see our students develop and that I'm most proudest of, I believe, that our our competition. I know, I don't believe. I'm most proud of those skills that our competition helps to impart those skills. As you go forward, and wow, you have given me chills two or three times in this interview. (laughs) What do you need most? How can people best support you? Oh my gosh. Well, I think involvement, as you said, we definitely appreciate and value individuals who are getting involved from participating, from starting a team, getting their students involved. We want to continue to build our global community. Involvement, volunteer as a judge, 
as technical sport at an event. We have 42 regionals. There's bound to be, be one near your listeners. You know, we have a regional in Southern California. I think we first met when our, not through our regional in Southern California, but the year that we had our world championship in Southern California, Long Beach City College. So we are always looking for people who want to volunteer their time and talents. And even if you don't think you're a technical person, you know, we need people at these events to do crowd control, crowd management, right? We need people to check in teams. We need people to help show them where the restrooms are or the nearest place to get some food. So I think, you know, many folks think, oh, I have to have this technical background or expertise. I have to be an engineer. No, you don't. We'll put you to work. And certainly not for us to continue as an organization. We definitely are looking for sponsors and folks to contribute financially to this effort. I think one of the things that was taking place when we first met, you know, we have a nonprofit now. Mate Inspiration for Innovation is a 501c3 nonprofit. We were actually founded in, we're going to be five years old in a month. Wow. <laughs> that is so, possible. It just started when you and I talked. It we Yeah, we were just getting started. And really the nonprofit, Mate Inspiration for Innovation, that grew out of the Marine Advanced Technology Education Center, which was established with funding from the National Science Foundation at Monterey Peninsula College back in 1997. So the National Science Foundation funds your taxpayer dollars, our taxpayer dollars helped us to start this center which have, you know, for 20 years existed. And now it has inspired the creation of this nonprofit. And the nonprofit is really, how are we going to sustain, you know, NSF will fund you and support you and give you money to go off and be creative, but they also encourage you to find ways to sustain your operations. And so for us, it was the nonprofit. We see that as a way that we're going to continue to sustain this activity well into the future. We still get grants from NSF. We've got grants from NOAA, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. We've gotten grants from Motorola Solutions Foundation. I mentioned SNIT Ocean Institute. We definitely appreciate all that. But we certainly, the nonprofit has allowed us, has allowed us to diversify our funding streams because as a 501c3 nonprofit, you can appreciate that you know all the benefits that provides to us and how many doors it opens to us in terms of being able to apply for additional funding. So that's another ways. But I certainly, I mean, if anyone is interested in learning more or trying to find a way to get involved, if someone has an ocean problem or they're in the ocean industry or not even, but is seeing a problem that we can present to our students to tackle. I mean, as you know, this past year, ocean plastics, plastics in our world oceans is a huge problem. And one of those things that we presented to our teams this past competition season, they had to remove plastics from our oceans, from plastic floating on the surface to plastic floating midwater to plastics on the very deepest part of our world ocean in the Mariana Trench. So if anybody has any ideas for themes or problems or things that they know need to be solved, I mean, send them our way. We love to hear these ideas. Like I said earlier today, I mean, I spent so much time we were talking to experts and people who are working in offshore wind farms and aquaculture, and that helps inform how we create these tasks and put these problems out to our global community. Jill, what would you consider one of the most important lessons that you and your team picked up this past year about innovation, creativity, and making a difference from what you had to do with the Mate ROV competition? You know what? I will tell you the one thing that we learned through all of this, and it's something that we impart or attempt to challenge our students to develop, is resiliency, perseverance, persistence. I mean, that's how we got through and are going to continue to get through this current world situation, this pandemic. It really, just as we challenge our teams to be creative and innovative, we definitely challenged ourselves to be that way and coming up with the telepresence category and imagining the VR space. And certainly, again, as I said, you know, you always, speaking of my daughter, right, you want to impart this or try to encourage them to embrace being resilient and being persistent. And we were challenged to be that way and to make it through this uncertain times. And I think that's one of the things, those are the skills that I believe we haven't mastered them, right? I'm not sure anyone ever does, but I think those are skills that we have certainly had to pick up during this time. And I'm really proud 
that we were able to do something in person. I'm grateful to East Tennessee State University and the chairman of our board, David Golden, who actually has a position at East Tennessee State University. They opened their doors. They made sure we had not, I never thought this would happen, but the 2021 World Championship, we had an official disinfectant sponsor in BioPure. We had BioPure hand sanitizer. We had their spray bottles to sanitize mission stations. There was a mass mandate on campus while we were there indoors no matter what your vaccination status is. So it was very, I appreciate the leadership of East Tennessee State University and the commitment of companies in the region like BioPure to help us keep it safe, right? And I'm very proud that we were able to do that and we made it through. And I will tell you, I'm grateful, but I think our community, that was a recurring theme, recurring message that I heard all of the student teams that participated in person, all of the parents and the mentors, they were so grateful that that we did it. They were so grateful that we offered something in person to give their kids hope that maybe, you know, things are going to get back to normal, that we can get through this just to give them some hope and just something to focus on and be positive about and look forward to. So I was grateful that we carried it out. And again, grateful all the lessons that we learned, all of the things that we tried, maybe it wasn't all perfect, but now we know that we can offer a telepresence category. We know that the VR space was popular. And, and those are things that, as you said, we're going to continue to make this part of the made ROB competition experience. We actually did. We actually, in late August, we had an event in the virtual world. We actually did a live link with the Schmidt Ocean Institute and their research vessel, Falcor. They were off the coast of, I think, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember. I think they were off the Southern California coast. And again, we did a live link and we broadcast the video into alt space, into the VR world. So again, there was my avatar in the VR world watching the screen of the live link and talking to ROV pilots and technicians and scientists on board the RV Falcor and fielding questions from students as avatars in the space. It was just, so we're going to continue to use that space and not just for the competition events, but we'll offer other things in alt space. And so you'll have to stay tuned. You might see us testing out our virtual ROV flying around the pool in alt space. That might be the next thing that we do. Jill, thank you for your time today. Thank you, Dot. Oh my God, it's really wonderful to see you and talk with you. And I actually, I don't think we've ever seen each other because the first time we did it, we didn't use Zoom. We just spoke on the phone, I believe. So it's wonderful to see you. And thank you for keeping the Make competition on your radar and bringing it out to your listeners. I really appreciate you keeping in touch and following us. You and I have been listening to Jill Zandi, President and Executive Director of Mate Inspiration for Innovation and Associate Director of the Marine Advanced Technology Education Center. For more information on the Mate ROV Competition for 2022, go to mateRovCompetition.org. As Jill mentioned, information on the Mate ROV 2022 competition should be up around the 22nd of October. Meanwhile, you'll also get a chance to learn more about the concept of ESG, Environmental Social Governments for Our Future. And while you're there, be sure you scroll down to the bottom of the homepage, where you'll see not just a link where you can experience Mate's new VR world, but step-by-step resources for getting on board and attending events in virtual reality, and even creating VR worlds of your own if you'd like to. Once again, that's materovcompetition.org. And that concludes this edition of Over Coffee. Thank you for listening. Listen to more Over Coffee podcasts at twomavericks.com. That's two, T-W-O, Mavericks, M-A-V-E-R-I-X. And you can contact us at twomavericks at gmail.com. The music you're hearing is royalty-free production music provided by Pond5 at pond5.com. I'm Dot Cannon. Here's wishing you a cappuccino day.